Welcome to Staying at Home, episode number five. Today, I have a special guest here, Stefan Jansson, if I pronounce that correctly. Yeah. Welcome at home uh, in the virtual studio on, on this uh, new podcast format. Stefan, I think it's best if you introduce yourself and share a little bit about who you are and what you're doing. And then we're going to talk about a topic that I'm very excited about to hear, which is personal habits and general well-being. Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, thanks for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, so a little bit about me. Um, I'm Israeli, born in Israel, uh, and I went back to Israel as an adult after growing up in New Zealand, where I met a former guest of your podcast, uh, Prescott Watson. Uh, we sat next to each other, uh, and we're both part of the early days of, of the Our Crowd story. Uh, and Our Crowd, as many of your listeners might know from, from your episode with, with Prescott, was one of the most active VCs, venture capital funds in Israel which in turn is one of the most successful venture capital ecosystems in the world. Um, so Prescott and I were kind of there uh, from year one. Prescott was really there right from the beginning. Prescott was employee number one. Uh, and then I joined about, yeah, almost a year later. Uh, and, you know, we helped grow our crowd from being a, a website, really, for equity crowdfunding into now being a platform Uh, that has deployed over $1.5 billion into a portfolio of about 200 or so venture investments. Um, some notable exits include uh, Jump, which we sold to Uber for uh, hundreds of millions of dollars, Beyond Meat, a uh, cybersecurity company called Argus, which we sold to a German company called Continental for about half a billion dollars. Uh, and so our crowd uh, became kind of a, a bit of a success story within the Israeli VC ecosystem. Uh, and so I was there for a while. I met my wife at work. Uh, Prescott was actually a groomsman at our wedding. And uh, that's how I heard about your podcast. But eventually, my wife and I decided to move back to uh, the US. Uh, and despite this fake accent, you know, I, I've got multiple nationalities, but none of them are American. And so I uh, had to, uh, when, when I moved here, I had to take a forced retirement of um, over a year to get my green card. And, uh, you know, during this time, I, I really tried to fill my time constructively, right? So at first I took some projects, right? I took this course to learn about artificial intelligence, which was something I was interested in learning more about. Um, I, I made these big investments in mental and emotional health, right? I went on this 10 day meditation retreat. Uh, my wife and I went on this marriage retreat for, for newlyweds. Uh, I went on several mankind project weekends, which are these weekends that, that men go to, to learn a little bit about emotional well-being um, and a lot of physical health investments, right? I went on this big trip with my family to the few national parks over here. Um, we hiked to the canyons. I, I uh, you know, bought a personal training package and went to the gym. I planned this two-week trip to Yosemite, which ended up being canceled because of the California forest fires. But all those quote-unquote projects had end dates, And those end dates eventually came. And, and even after I did all that, I was still staring down the barrel at about a year without having a job. And I needed to figure out how I was going to, number one, not waste that time. And number two, I really needed some structure in my life so that I could have a little bit of feeling of control, which many people who you know are unemployed now uh, during Corona or even people who are employed because of Corona, but are facing these 
for the first time, you know, whole days where they, which they have to structure themselves outside of the context of an office, are I'm sure people are being able to resonate with this feeling of just wanting to be able to put a little bit of um, a little bit of uh, a scaffolding around your life to kind of uh, put it all together. And so I didn't want to wake up, you know, every day with the question of what do I do now. And what I was really looking for was a, a template according to which I could live every day. Uh, in other words, what I wanted was I, I wanted to build positive habits in my life that, that I could do on a daily basis. Um, yeah. And so that's the that's the background of how we got connected uh, and, and yeah. that's your podcast. And, and we can kind of take it from there. That's, that's super interesting. So was it for you more like a thing that just happened to building all of these self-improvements um, habits and everything that is just, uh, you know, you woke up one day and say, yeah, I'm totally going to jump on this now, like as a fun project or what was the trigger for you to go all in with this topic? Yeah. I, I mean, the trigger really was just, uh, this, this daunting idea of waking up every day for a year and not knowing what I'm doing with myself. Right. I mean, this, yeah. this was actually slightly terrifying for me. Um, and so this idea of building habits was, was, it was unfortunately not so much out of enthusiasm, but more kind of a reaction to what was happening in my life. Right. So this really became yeah. like a, a year long endeavor for me. And I, I started building up, I started reading up all about habit formation. Right. So I had all these candidate habits that I wanted to adopt. And so I researched whether they were worth pursuing. So for example, should I do mindfulness meditation or should I do transcendental meditation? Should I do cardio or should I lift weights? Should I journal using the morning pages approach that Julia Cameron popularized? Or should I review at the end of the day, like the Stoics did, right? And then I started implementing and, and it worked, you know, so, so now uh, to throw some numbers at you, I have over 700 meditation sessions under my belt, uh, probably about 300 gym sessions. Uh, my Audible app, which tracks how much time I spend over there, says I've racked up about 500 hours listening to audiobooks. I've probably accumulated more than that on podcasts. Um, I've established routines. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've established routines around waking up early, uh, nutrition, uh, several forms of journaling, sleep, uh, and then dozens of little, uh, what I call enabling habits, right. That make it possible to do the big ones. Um, in a sense, those are even more important and we can talk about those too. But my goal was to build these habits in such a way that they would survive contact with me going back to work, um, which they have now, you know, I went back to work last year. I, I now work for a, an, another venture capital fund based in LA And I found that these habits have hugely improved the quality of my life and the quality of my work. And they're particularly relevant, I think, now during this lockdown, as I mentioned, you know, when, which is when we're recording, um, you know, and once again, it's important for me and, and for others to add some structure to the days that could otherwise just blur together. Um, yeah. So that, that was really the impetus. Which is super relevant, as you said, in, in the context of the current and ongoing pandemic, which... Honestly, there's, uh, for me, at least no uh, timeline where we can see when, you know, everything is back to normal, just because the scale of this is something that at least all generation experiences for the first time. I, I read yesterday in the Washington Post that in the US now about 22 million people are unemployed. And a lot of people will be faced with that, um, with that challenge. What do we do with the time that we voluntarily or not 
uh, have at the moment and how do we deal with our general well-being when we can't live our regular lives at the moment what are your steps that you're taking um you mentioned meditation but walk us through an a day of yours to to learn what you mean with your routines and habits that you have sure no problem so i'll, I'll run you through a, a, a typical day kind of a template that i built for myself and, and talk about the more important habits i've implemented in my life um, and then if you want we can dig into some specific habits but Uh, what I'll do is this. I'll, I'll run you through a daily routine. Uh, I'll talk about problems that I encountered in building each habit along the way. Uh, I'll also offer some tips for integrating these into your life. Um, and I'll highlight habits that I tried that didn't work for me. Right. So there's a few habits uh, that, that I did and I just was not uh, able to to bring them in or, or didn't find them useful. And then there were a few habits that I wish I did, but I've still not managed to implement. So maybe I'll, I'll give a nod to those occasionally when, when those are relevant. Um, and then I know there are, are, yeah, one or two habits that you want to circle back to. So we can do that at the end. Uh, and, and just a bit of a warning, this is a, a very long list. And I'd like to remind people that this is the result of uh, more than a year's worth of work, right? With no distraction or work. Uh, so I uh, don't recommend that people try to emulate this, right? If you're wanting to bring more positive habits into your life, start with one habit and build from there. And uh, also because this is a long list, this could turn into a bit of a monologue. So just feel free to jump in there and ask questions if you have any. Awesome. Uh, all right. <clears throat> so, so let's get started. So if it's uh, the first thing I do every morning is I wake up early, right? So I wake up at five in the morning. Uh, and this is a very important habit because it actually carves out a, you know, two to three hour block of time in the morning uh, for me to do my other habits, right? So everyone is asleep. Uh, there's no interruptions, right? It's a great time to meditate. Uh, in the age of coronavirus, you can even go for a walk without running into anyone. Uh, so having that chunk of time in the morning is, is extremely useful. Um, now, the first problem... What I is do, early for you? Yeah, five, five in the morning is, is early for me. Uh, that's that's when, I, when I wake up. Uh, but the first problem I ran into when implementing this in my life uh, is, is my wife, who wasn't in love with the idea of being woken up so early by an alarm every day. So, um, you know, I had to move from a regular alarm, which I was using on my phone, to a silent alarm. Uh, so I, was, I bought a Fitbit. Fitbit has this feature where it will just vibrate on your arm instead of ringing. Um, but that also didn't always work because occasionally I would have my wrist by my wife's ear when the, when the alarm went off. So, uh, the next thing I, I tried, which I eventually, uh, st stuck with, uh, we bought a, a smart bed. So there's this thing called a, an eight pod and it's a, it's a bed that has uh, water running through it and it can use that water to heat or cool different sides of the bed differently if, if you and your wife sleep at, at different temperatures. And so you can, it has a feature on it called a cold alarm. So at five in the morning every day, my bed just injects freezing water into my side of the bed only. And believe me, that's a very effective way of waking up. Uh, there's nothing, oh, there's totally nothing, you can do. <laughs> <laughs> nothing you can do to avoid that. Um, and, uh, and it's completely silent, right? So, so that's perfect. But uh, for, for people who are not into buying a brand new bed right now, there are also... Um, anklets that you can wear around your around your leg that will vibrate and then you don't run into the same problem of, of waking someone up um, now side note on this some of the science actually suggests that this might not be good for everyone right so i, I read a, a book on brain science uh, called your best brain uh, released by audible from the great courses series by john medina 
and, and he talks about this a little bit there. And, and he talks about the fact that people actually have got a natural uh, wake up time, right. That's tied into their circadian rhythms. Um, and some people, for some people waking up early actually might not be entirely healthy. Um, but I've personally been doing this since about 2018. And I've come to believe that for me, the good of having that block of time, if used properly, right. And all the good that comes from the constructive habits that I can do in two to three hours outweighs, uh, whatever, whatever, uh, is happening to my circadian <laughs> rhythms. Uh, but that's a, that's just a personal belief. So, uh, five in the morning I'm up. Now, here's the first habit I wish I did, but I don't. I wish I made my bed immediately after getting up. So this idea was popularized by um, Admiral William McRaven. Um, he's a Navy SEAL admiral. And he has this idea that if you make your bed as soon as you wake up, you know, you start your day with a win, right? And the very first thing yeah. you experience is this little jolt of dopamine. And then you can use that to sort of snowball. So that becomes the trigger for doing the next good habit, right? And, and then you can very kind of quickly build momentum in your day. Um, and then, you know, he says, here's this great line. He says, and then, you know, worst case scenario, if you have a terrible day, at least you come to, at least you come home to a beautifully made bed. So that's something I wish I did. Um, I'm not able to do that because again, I'm up at five and my wife is still fast asleep and it's hard to make the bed with someone in it. Uh, but that's kind of kind of would uh, diffuse the purpose of yeah. a silent alarm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would be an interesting conversation. Um, okay. So it's, it's five one. I'm up. Uh, the next thing I do is, uh, I weigh myself. Right. So I have specific goals around um, maintaining my weight, uh, around building muscle. Um, and, uh, you know, Tim Ferriss wrote a little bit about this in The Four Hour Body. It's one of the books that I read when I was preparing for all this. Um, he talks about this as something that definitely increases accountability. People who weigh themselves on a daily basis are, are much more likely to hit their weight goals. Um, so I have a, a Wi Fi enabled smart scale, uh, it automatically logs my weight in my phone. Uh, and then it also takes a, a bunch of uh, measurements like uh, body fat percentage, which it calculates from bioimpedance and, and bone density and, and uh, water content of your body and all kinds of things. I should say that basically everything except for the weight measurement is extremely inaccurate and I ignore it, but it's just kind of an interesting piece of data to, to have over there. Um, so uh, that's the next thing I do. Uh, at 510, you know, I'm on a pillow and meditating. I do uh, 10 minutes of unguided meditation, uh, 50 minutes of, sorry, 10 minutes of guided meditation, 50 minutes of unguided meditation. Uh, so that takes me to about uh, 10 past six. Uh, at 10 past six, I get up, I do my morning routine. So I do my teeth, I floss, etc. cetera. Um, at 6.20, uh, we have a little dog over here. So I take my dog out for a walk. Um, I put in some headphones and I start listening to uh, podcasts or audiobooks and I start working on getting my goal of hitting 10,000 steps right for the day. Uh, what, what podcasts do you do you usually listen to? Yeah, uh, top three. Sure. Um, so, just by the way, apropos podcasts, I, I've just been on a few podcasts. So, for for anyone who, uh, just to plug myself for a sec, for anyone of you who, who wants to hear more of me, I was just on uh, Technori and uh, LA Venture and uh, the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Um, so, so that's those are some great podcasts. But my personal favorites: Ten um, Percent Happier and Waking Up, uh, the Waking Up app. Uh, where they have, uh, you know, they, they talk a lot about meditation. 10% Happier is great for people who are beginning. The Waking Up app has this uh, conversations feature with much more advanced conversations about meditation. Uh, Making Sense is a podcast by the same guy who, who does the Waking Up app, a guy called Sam Harris, uh, who really got me into meditation. 
Um, it's more about current affairs and politics and moral philosophy. Uh, and then I'm also a big fan of uh, the whole Radiolab series. So uh, Radiolab, More Perfect, uh, Dolly Parton's America, those are all great. Uh, for people who want to learn more about habits, by the way, so um, some great audiobooks I could also recommend. So uh, Atomic Habits by James Clear was great. The Power of Habit was great. Uh, for people who want to know more about meditation, so there are audiobooks um, by the same name as, as the podcast. So there's a 10% Happier app. Uh, which has, sorry, 10% Happier audiobook, and there's a Waking Up audiobook as well. Both of those are about meditation. Uh, and then if you really want uh, some like heavy-hitting science and meditation, there's a book called Altered States and Altered Traits, which really digs into the, the brain science of meditation. Um, and then I mentioned before, so in Psychology and Brain Science, Your Best Brain uh, from the Great Courses series by John Medina, uh, Thinking Fast and Slow by the Israeli Nobel laureate Danny Kahneman. Uh, I think I've taken more notes in that book than all the other books I've read combined. Uh, the Elephant in the Brain is great about teaching you how you lie to yourself. Uh, and then for people who are interested in, in happiness in general, right, because that was the, the, big, uh, the big goal over here, habits were a means to an end for happiness. Uh, a Guide to the Good Life uh, is a, a bit of a guide about Stoic philosophy and uh, Authentic Happiness by, by Martin Seligman, the father of the positive psychology movement. Uh, those are great books on that topic. Um, so those are, those are some great content that you can listen to while, while you're walking. Uh, okay, so it's 6.50. I'm back from my walk with my dog. Here's a new habit uh, that I, I recently only just started implementing. Uh, so I bought something called a uh, Lumen. And the Lumen is a little, uh, it's a little device that you hold, it, it Bluetooths to your phone, you breathe into it, and it analyzes the gases in your lungs. And uh, it turns out that depending on what source of uh, energy your body is using at the moment, so whether you're using carbs or fat in your body for energy, that changes the composition of gases in your lungs. And this uh, little device is able to detect that and it can tell you, hey, you know what, your body is mostly burning carbs right now or your body is mostly burning fat right now. And based on that, it's crazy. It's, yeah. <laughs> and based on that, it's, it's creates a, a personalized diet for you. Um, right. So it's a very cool little gadget um, made by an Israeli company called Metaflow. And, and because I was a VC in Israel, I actually had the chance to you know, meet the team and dig into the tech a little bit as a, as a VC. So that was very cool. Um, so that's... Uh, Next habit, uh, at 7 o'clock, I uh, practice a little bit of French on Duolingo. Um, so uh, as uh, the more astute people will, will realize, you know, my, so my name is French, uh, so my mom is French, my grandparents are French, French passports speak French, uh, and um, my, my grandparents and I, uh, the only language that we have in common is, uh, is French, which, you know, is kind of funny because they speak three languages and, and I speak a few languages as well, but, but the only language we, we both speak is French. So I practice it on Duolingo. Uh, and then, uh, occasionally, you know, I'll, I'll see like a phrase or something that I really want to use and then I'll get to call my grandparents and just like use it on the spot. Um, so that brings us to seven. Uh, now here's something I do, but I actually don't think it works for me. Uh, so around seven, I kind of do some affirmations. Uh, I have a little affirmation that I repeat for myself. Uh, I, Personally, I've been doing this for more than a year and I might start cutting it out. I, I just don't personally find it very effective, but I know that other people really can love you, doing affirmations. Can you explain what uh, kind of affirmations uh, that are and what was the target with those? Yeah. So the, the goal with an affirmation is to, to make a, an I am statement, right? So you say to yourself something like, 
um, you know, I am disciplined, strong-willed, and able, right? And okay. the, the idea is that if, if you say that and you really mean it, right, you, it will kind of like sink in, right? If you say it over and over again, eventually you will believe it. Um, I, I know a lot of people love them. It, it, it just has not worked for me. Uh, so, so that's something I do, but, but kind of more out of momentum than, than out of belief by this stage. Uh, okay. So that t- brings us to about 10 past seven, uh, at 10 past seven, I start planning my day, right? So I, uh, write down everything that I'm going to do today. I open up my outlook, uh, and I start, uh, just putting scheduling time for, for where my day is going to go. Uh, and then at seven 15, what I do is I have this little app on my phone, uh, called Habitica. Now, Habitica is a bit of a goldmine for people who are obsessed with habits. It's, it's an app that gamifies the process of building habits and it's uh, super nerdy. And what it does is it's basically uh, built around kind of, um, an old school dungeons and dragons themed, uh, kind of, uh, yeah, kind of game. And you create for yourself a list of habits that you're trying to implement in your life. And you have a little character with an icon and they have a helmet and a sword. And every time that you do a good habit in your life, your character earns experience and can level up and get equipment. And you can uh, join other people. So my wife and I have a little Habitica team with a few of our friends. And, you know, with your characters, as they level up when you're doing good habits in your life, your teams can then go and fight monsters together. So uh, doing good things in your life then becomes this, like, big incentive to to advance in your Habitica app. Um, Again, super nerdy, not for everyone, but I absolutely love it. It sounds sounds fun because it reminds me a little bit of these um, activity rings on Apple Watch. Yeah where you can invite friends and share uh, your activity and flex how many um, active calories or active minutes or how many standing hours you have. Yeah. I yeah. think it's, um, I remember when, when I just got my Apple watch and a buddy of mine had it too, and he was always burning more calories than, uh, than I did. I always wanted to at least match what he did. And that's, pretty much how i imagine this app to work that you yeah, yeah. kind of get get the motivation out of the competition right yeah so this you know works for people who are very competitive and, and i'm extremely competitive and you know when we first started this thing i mean this, this gets a bit ridiculous but you know when this first started the thing it's like okay who gets to do the dishes tonight because you know like we both want the experience so it's uh it was uh it was kind of funny um anyway so that's uh 7 uh, around 7.20, around 7.20, I kind of, uh, this is a time that, that I have my eye on uh, because I have a goal to be ready to leave the house by 7.30. Um, so this is kind of time for, if, if I leave by 7.30, then I actually have time to, to get to work, hit the gym. That, that, that's, that's where that uh, time comes from. So around 7.20, I start getting ready, right? So I go get my gym bag. I uh, actually put on my work clothes. Um, if, if, uh, you know, if I need those for the day, which now during Corona, obviously we don't, uh, I bring my computer, my charger, my keys. Uh, and the goal is just to be able to get up, pick up my bag and walk out the door. And now this is around the time that I used to wake up right before I started building all these habits. And it's a great feeling to feel like, you know, you're out the door at seven thirty, seven forty-five, having done two, two and a half hours worth of feeding your body and mind before most people are even starting the day. That's, that's a really just great feeling that, that I, I always enjoy. Uh, and then the last thing I do before leaving the house is, uh, to connect with my wife, right? So usually, 
uh, that's just spending some time with her. So we'll sit and we'll, we'll drink some tea and we'll touch base for 10, 15 minutes. Um, this was a point that they kept on bringing home at that marriage retreat that I mentioned that we took uh, in, in my year of unemployment. So we learned about, uh, there's this concept of parting and reconnecting, right? So marriage researchers will talk about this, that, that couples can strengthen, strengthen their relationship by being purposeful about how they say goodbye and how they say hello to each other. So it's not just like, okay, you walk out the door, you don't look back, hey, I'm, I'm leaving now. It's okay, like, I'm leaving now, goodbye, you have a wonderful day, and then I'll see you at the end of the day. Um, and when you walk into our apartment, the first thing you see on, on the inside is this little table with a sign that my wife put up there that reads, uh, love you mean it, right? And so my wife put that up there because when we're saying hello or goodbye to each other, that's what we say. And uh, usually I get home from, from work after my wife and it's, it's just a great reminder to, to reconnect. Um, now, pre-COVID, we had commutes and sometimes she was just waking up as I was leaving for the gym. So, um, you know, we couldn't always sit with each other for 10, 15 minutes. So my backup plan in that case is to just do something nice for her instead. Right. And these aren't supposed to be grand gestures. Right? This could be making the tea. Right. So just boiling some water. Um, it could be making her breakfast or it could even just be giving her a compliment. Right. So something like that. It's just a little micro investment in your relationship. And happiness research and the positive psychology movement have, have both shown, you know, that uh, a big part of being happy is shifting your focus from yourself to other people, right? Being other focused is yeah. the key to happiness. Yeah. So, uh, and, and of course, relationships are, are a huge part of happiness. So uh, that's, that's kind of the, the genesis of that habit. Uh, all right. So 740 in the pre-COVID days, I would have left the house by now uh, and I'd be on my commute. Uh, you know, so here's another wish list of mine. Uh, when I first moved to LA, I, I moved within walking distance of work and I had a half an hour walking commute to work. And this was just sacred time for me. You know, I could automatically hit my 10,000 step goal by walking to and from work for half an hour. I'd get a lot of audiobooks and, and, and podcast time in. Uh, but now, you know, I, I drive to work. Uh, so I do my podcast and audiobooks in the car. Uh, and, uh, you know, in, in the, in the time of COVID now, I just actually have to make the time, the time that I would have spent driving. I just take that time, uh, to listen to something instead. Uh, 7.55 was the old time that I would arrive at work. So pre COVID I'd be in the gym, um, typically in the gym five to six times a week, uh, doing weights, uh, on a, on a push pull, what's called a push pull legs routine, right? So you're alternating push exercises, pull exercises and leg exercises, um, and in the age of COVID, you know, I'm just working out from home using body weights instead uh, for people who, you know, kind of interested in the specifics. So I, I'm a big fan of the guy, a guy called Jeff Nippard. He's a Canadian bodybuilder I, on YouTube. I particularly like him because he's very meticulous about referencing scientific we will, studies. We will, yeah. we will put everything in the show notes. Uh, sorry yeah. to cut you off there. No problem. Uh, also, the, the, I wanted to say that earlier, but it's uh, too interesting to interrupt you that often. <laughs> Uh, also, your your podcasts uh, that you have appeared on, I will put uh, this, including the books, into the show notes so people can uh, click on it and uh, have a look at that. Perfect. Okay, great. Uh, so yeah, so so Jeff is is this uh, a great bodybuilder who I recommend to people. He's he's great at you know citing studies, and uh, you know in 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 the world of exercise, there, there's so much what people call bro science, right? So it's just kind of like um, gym myths that get handed down, you know, generations yep. just based on, based on hunches and based on people's kind of anecdotal experiences. And so, and also it should be said that in general, the quality of, 
uh, exercise science is not great. So it's, um, it's, it's, <laughs> it's helpful. a lot of wishful thinking. Yeah, it's a lot of wishful <laughs> thinking and, and it, it's helpful to have someone who's, who's very meticulous and, and rigorous in what sources yeah. he, he listens to. And he also digs into the quality, right? So, you know, he'll mention, Jeff will mention, was it in a good journal? Uh, was the sample number high enough? Was it corroborated by further findings? Uh, and he has a degree in chemistry. So he actually, it actually feels a little more comfortable than most people you know, around scientific literature. So, uh, he's, he's a great person to follow um and he has a video on how to work from home during corona using body weights only which which is what i'm doing right now so that's that's a fun one my wife and i have have started um working out from home like we are right now on our second attempt yeah. <laughs> doing that little bit uh, uh hit training yeah yeah and it is ridiculous how exhausting that can be yeah yeah um I have asthma, so normal things are a little bit more challenging for me than I would uh, assume it is for, for other people. But still, like the burn is real and we have like only weights and that's basically it. And we jump in front of our TV up and down <laughs> during these sessions. But it's I, I wouldn't have believed that, you know, the effects can be surreal right. without having to go to a gym and working out and having an expensive gym me membership that people not always use in the way yeah an example me and, and you know that that also kind of ties into so you, at, at the beginning you asked me you know if, if we could talk about uh you know some some lessons learned right so yeah, yeah. One, one one of the key lessons learned over here to to kind of arrive at that question early is that you have to you have to constantly if you're into habit building you're constantly going to have to problem solve right so okay you were yeah. really into going to the gym but then covid made that difficult okay so problem solve come up with an alternative way of doing it find an hiit video at home right and do some hit training um that's a great solution right you you want to wake up but your wife is not into setting an alarm for five in the morning find a solution right so these, these yeah. you need a mentality of of being able to not just like uh, being able to get around problems uh, otherwise you're going to always find a million reasons not to do something uh so yeah 100 percent agree with that uh, okay. So one more thing about the gym, uh, which I think is important. I used to love having my phone in the gym. Uh, so I have this app called strong that, uh, tracks my personal bests, uh, for all my lifts. And I used to listen to audiobooks while I was working out, which I thought was great. because I was, you know, multitasking and, and getting some audiobook time while also doing the gym. Now I still do that if I'm doing cardio, but now I actually leave my phone in my bag if I'm doing weight sessions. Uh, and I use only, I use strong the app after the workout to track my results. And the reason I do that is that I find my phone very distracting during workouts. So you're only supposed to yeah. take one minute breaks between lifts, but as anyone who's spent time in the gym knows, you know, as soon as you pull out your phone during that one minute, that one minute turns into 10 minutes or 15 minutes. Easy. Right. Uh, and so that that's I, I've just found my my phone completely destroys my my productivity in the gym and yeah, so, sometimes it it feels like people people uh, go to the gym to take selfies yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. especially in LA 
Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I've also noticed that for heavyweights, you, you really need to have, uh, what people call the a mind muscle connection, which is just a fancy way of saying, focus on what your body feels like, uh, both for safety and for performance. Um, so be very intentional about, and really feel the movements and, and you, you'll just get a lot more out of that. Um, so that kind of ends the morning, right? So by this stage, it's about nine or nine 15, you know, I'm walking out of the gym and I'm, and I'm starting work. Um, now one thing I'm, I, you may have noticed, I, I didn't mention breakfast and I, I don't eat breakfast. Yep. Um, this helps me manage my hunger, right? So I do an, an intermittent fast, uh, until about noon or 1130. Uh, this turns out to be actually very good for exercise, uh, and for weight management. So there's, there's evidence to show that, uh, if you exercise fasted, right, it, it, the, what it does to your home, your hormones is, is, uh, it has a positive effect on, on muscle building. Um, and it's it's obviously great for weight as well because you're not eating as much. To to dig in into the intermittent fasting for um, the audience that hasn't um, hasn't heard of that or has heard the word but never really understood what it is. How would you describe it in a few few words? Sure. Uh, so intermittent fasting is basically alternating between a window of time when you're not eating anything and a window of time during which you're allowed to eat. Um, and a typical schedule, for example, is having a eight hour window during which you can eat and let's say a 16 hour window during which you cannot, right. And that 16 hours is uninterrupted, obviously. So I will typically, you know, start my eight hour eating window at say 1130, right. And I will have it run for eight hours from then. Um, and Yeah. And then, you know, when that is over, I will then fast for 16 hours, which will bring me to 1130 the following day. Uh, and for people who want to read more about this, um, the kind of the, the grandfather of intermittent fasting for bodybuilding is this guy called um, Martin Berkan. He's, I think, a Swedish bodybuilder. And he has a, a blog called Lean Gains, uh, all one word. And uh, he's, he's, again, he's one of these people who's, who's pretty good about actually referencing scientific studies and, and, uh, and, and, and yeah, he's, he's a great person to follow as well. Um, and then while you're fasting as well, you know, you can still drink coffee without milk, you know, you can drink tea, you can uh, do, do little things like that just to kind of, um, you know, if, if you have like a morning habit, you can keep that. Uh, but, but the idea for me, at least, you know, I find that as soon as I start eating in the morning, then I'm hungry for the rest of the day. And I'm, I'm, I've just actually have noticed that I'm not particularly hungry at, you know, 9am. Uh, I had been eating yeah. habitually as opposed to eating because my body needs it. Does it matter what time you're fasting and eating or is it as long as you keep uh, the 16 hours rhythm, uh, it has no effect? Is it on your personal appetite or what's, what's the base for that? Yeah. Um, so, you know, if you go and read about this, you'll, you'll find this, it's almost like a religion for some people. And so people, people have fought pseudo religious wars over that question, right? So some people are, are like zealous about, oh, it, your fast has to be in the morning. Some people are like, absolutely not. You should only eat in the evening, right? And, and you'll find people kind of on both sides of that argument. I personally don't think it really matters where your window is. I think The most, the most important rule of nutrition, by the way, is that what you eat and how much you eat matters a lot more than when you eat it. Um, but, but that when you eat it is just like a useful kind of tool that maybe adds, you know, another five, 10% on top of that. And it's, it's just a help. It's just helpful to, to add some structure and, and, 
and help you just kind of manage your eating habits. Uh, so that's, that's kind of my take on that. Cool. Yeah. With you men, men, mentioned a lot of, uh, bodybuilders. Uh, it's, uh, for me, my personal story with that, my mother's brother was in the seventies and eighties, the personal trainer of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, cool. And there, there, um, pictures of my uncle sitting with him on LA in the movie sets, uh, oh. shooting Conan. And they stayed friends until my uncle passed away just, uh, I think, two years ago. Um, and he always was about eating healthy and not doing any, you know, like when it came uh, to his own bodybuilding and also Arnie's uh, bodybuilding diet, it, um, he told me they never used any substances mm -hmm. or any unnatural things. And when I look into... You know, when you do your research on YouTube, uh, which is the most credible source of all. <laughs> <laughs> right after Wikipedia. Yeah. Then people are like, yeah, you should eat this. You should drink that. And, you know, that new product is totally gonna do great. But for, for me, I'm, I'm fascinated by the idea that uh, not eating anything or like not eating anything for some time. Maybe sometimes it's better than, you know, chewing down one protein bar after the other because right. it's uh, for the promise of strength and, and, and uh, muscle development. Right, right. And, and you know, that, that is a, a beautiful way of saying it because sometimes, you know, we talk a lot about habit building, but a lot of these habits that we're quote unquote building are really about unlearning existing habits that we have and haven't, you know, explicitly named, right? So if I talk about intermittent fasting about build as building that habit, what I'm really talking about is actually unlearning the practice of eating mindlessly when I'm not hungry, right? And that, that's a habit that, yeah. that I actually have in place already. I just, you know, haven't given it a fancy title, but, but I don't realize how much of an effect that habit has on me, right? So it's funny. Sometimes, you know, I talk to people about building habits and they say to me, oh, you know, like, I don't want to think too much about my habits. Like that seems too extreme, right? Like that seems too, like, like you're, you're, you're putting your life in a box, right? And you're not giving yourself freedom to be spontaneous and free. What I think Sounds a lot of, complicated. Yeah. What I think what a lot of people don't realize is it's actually a lot more complicated not to think about these things. Because I think that w what people call quote unquote freedom What, all they're really doing there is just building a whole bunch of unconscious habits over which they're completely foregoing agency, right? And so I, I think in in those situations, it's uh, I, I think it does make a lot more sense to just be a little bit mind, more mindful about these things. Anyway, let me jump back into to the day flow. So uh, that kind of sums the the morning habit stack. Uh, so in Atomic Habits, James Clear talks about the habit stacking, right? Which is this idea that the end of every habit that you do, you can basically put a bunch of habits on top of each other and the result, the conclusion of one habit then becomes the reminder for you to start the next one, right? And if you do those things in the same time, in the same order, in the same place every day, you kind of start memorizing the the order and the routine of, of going through habits and it becomes second nature. You know, I... I finish my meditation and I immediately get the urge to go up and uh, brush my teeth, for example, right? It's, it's just kind of like now in my psychology. Um, so that that is kind of the idea over there. So I have 
three habit stacks throughout the day. So one in the morning, which takes me all the way to about 9, 9.15, which is when I start my day. Um, at, when I start my day, I start executing that work plan that, that I mentioned earlier that I made. Um, then I, uh, then I head over and, and yeah, and basically start getting working, um, in the age of Corona, you know, there's all kinds of interesting little tips and tricks that people are throwing around now about how to be more productive during your day. So Sam Harris, uh, just had an interview on his making sense podcast with, um, Matt Mullenweg, who is the founder and developer of, of WordPress, which is today. And today he has a new company called automatic, uh, which is a fully distributed organization. So they have a thousand or so employees in over 70 countries. And they discussed best practices for how to work remotely from home because, you know, Matt and his team have been doing this for, for many years now. So, you know, for example, one tip that he mentions is, you know, go and do some squats between activities just to get blood flowing through our brain, right? Or um, between every activity that you're doing, right? When you move from task to task, he has a little candle on his desk. You know, he does a little bit of mindful breathing right between every task. So, um, that's kind of like a, just some useful tips if people are interested in how to work from home during the age of Corona. That's a great podcast to listen to. Um, now I generally recommend that people only have two habit stacks right? one in the morning and one in the evening. And that way you're actually not thinking about your habits throughout the day. But in practice, if you're tracking your nutrition, you, you need a habit stack around lunch. Uh, so I break my morning fast around 11, 1130. By this point, I've been fasting since about seven or eight the previous night. So it ends up being, you know, about a 16 or 17 hour fasting window. Um, as we've talked about, some studies have shown there's health benefits to, to that extended fasting, right? Your, your body gets into this repair mode as opposed to, uh, as opposed to just like a growth mode. Um, but a lot of those studies are done on mice. So to be taken with a huge pinch of salt, um, According to, uh, yeah, I, I then start eating according to, you know, my, my Lumen plan that my little breathing device is set for me during the day. Uh, after eating, I have a food journal. So I use my fitness pal, uh, my fitness pal tracks calories and macros. Um, so that helps me know whether I'm kind of eating enough protein for my workouts, whether I'm eating too much calories whether I'm eating according to what my Lumen is suggesting, all those things. Um, and if for some reason I wasn't able to leave the house and get a gym workout in the morning, I'll add a kind of a backup gym session to my stack around this time of the day. Fortunately, I have a gym at work, so I can do that or I could do that again <laughs> pre-corona. Uh, and then I'll get home um, around my evening stack starts around dinner. Um, so around I guess, 637 or so. Um, uh, I have dinner. I clean up. I take my dog out. Uh, I lock the door for the house. Right. I do my teeth. Um, doing my teeth turns out to be an incredibly important habit for me to throw into that stack because it prevents me from late night snacking. So sometimes, you know, some nights if I forget to do my teeth, I could then just go and eat like another 600 calories, right? Like in snacks. But like once I brush my teeth, it's like, oh, like, you know, I'm not going to brush my teeth again. You don't, you don't want to go through that again. Yeah, yeah. So it's <laughs> sort of like, okay, kind of like locks in or whatever calories you've had for the day. So dinner, clean up dog, lock the door. I do my teeth. Um, I closed my fitness pal food log. So I just finished the journal over there. And then I have, um, three, I've merged three different forms of, uh, written journals together. So I sit down with a little pen and paper and a book and I do, um, three different kinds of journals in, in one entry. Uh, so the first entry is something called, uh, uh, plus Delta, right? So basically I just open up my outlook. 
I run through the day, um, both in terms of what was written in there and scheduled and what was not. And I just ask the question, how did I do? Right? Did I get this job done? Uh, did I do something well? Right? So that's the plus. And uh, if not, why not? Right? So holding myself accountable for my productivity. If there's a lesson to be learned, I try to learn it um, so that I don't make that mistake again. And that's the uh, delta piece. So plus is what did I do well? Delta is what needs to change. Um, and Mark Zuckerberg, you know, was asked once, what, what is the what is the best advice you would give to to your younger self? And he said, you know, build a feedback loop into your life, right? So if, if you keep making the same mistake over and over again, uh, eventually you'll come up with a solution, right? And, and so for, for me, that's journaling. Uh, and there's a lot of overlap between this plus delta format and other journaling formats, which I've experimented with. So for example, many people who like the five minute journal, which is a very popular one, um, you know, it prompts you at night to ask, what are three amazing things that happened today and how could I have made today better, right? So th that's very similar to the plus and the delta uh, that I do over there. So that's the first form of journaling that I do, um, again, all on the same entry. Uh, the next thing I do is something called a stoic, stoic meditation, which is confusing because it's not actually a meditation in, in the classical Eastern Buddhist sense of the word. Um, so, you know, Marcus Aurelius, the meditations, that book is actually a private evening journal of Marcus Aurelius, the philosopher King. Um, and the stoic meditation, really what you do here is you just go through your day again. Um, this time you're not so much focused on what you did, but rather you're focused on how you felt and how you handled negative emotions and negative states of minds uh, like stress. Right. So you give yourself points for handling difficult situations virtuously right, or well. Um, and if there's something you can learn, you try to learn it. So if you had, you know, a fight with one of your colleagues or if, if you got like annoyed at someone during that day, you think back to that and you're like, OK, what could I have done better in that situation? Right. Like was what what will I do next time that I'm faced with a similar situation like that? And, and again, you know, if, if there is patterns in your life. By just writing it down every day, you start to see them. You start to realize, that, oh, you know what? Like maybe as I'm as I'm kind of coming up on the final hour of my fast, right? Maybe I start getting a little bit a little bit annoyed and, and itchy, right? Like maybe that's not the best time to get on the phone, right? Like maybe that maybe it's, yeah. maybe that's a better time to just be doing some like work with my headphones on. Um, so you kind of you you learn a little bit about yourself by doing this process over and over again. And then the last form of journaling, uh, which I put into the same entry, is a gratitude journal. Uh, so Sean Aker, uh, who, who gave my personal favorite TED Talk of all time, again, one of these uh, big figures in the positive psychology movement, uh, points to a lot of research that shows that um, doing gratitude right, and, and, and writing down things for which you're grateful really trains your brain to look for uh, good things in your life, right? It kind of trains you to, to be seeking positive things and also provides you with long-term bumps to happiness. Um, so sometimes the things I'm grateful for could overlap with one of the previous two journal entries. You know, I was productive or I handled the difficult situation very well, right? For, for the plus delta and stoic meditation respective, respectively. Um, other times, uh, it could be something completely unrelated. So, for example, we hosted a trivia night on Zoom with our friends last night, and it was awesome, right? Or my wife made me banana muffins, and they were delicious, right? So, you're just finding little things to be grateful for, um, and that really just kind of trains your mind to be in a good space. Yeah, and I think this is probably the most most important for us in, in these times where as soon as you turn on the, the, the news, you know, you see... Uh, many many statistics that not necessarily make you happy and it's just an overflowing amount of information that 
uh, have a negative emotional impact on your day. And when you watch that before going to sleep, probably not the best. And I think to really reflect on what you're grateful of and not only that, but to write it down as you do, I, I think it's super powerful because just being thankful for the small things that you have or the big things that you have, um, it's, it's so often forgotten. Right. Um, right. Like, and it's so easy to forget them because you take them for granted. We took it for granted to just go out, uh, meet with friends, have a little barbecue mm-hmm. right now. That's, you know, barely even imaginable at this point. Right. Now we know what, what we miss it's yeah. the same with loved ones. Uh, yeah. Sometimes you take their existence for being granted. And yeah. once they are no longer part of our lives, you know, you you start missing them more than you probably did when you knew that you still had access to them to be able to spend sure. time with them. Yeah. What is your um, the one thing that you learned about yourself writing down all of these things that you're grateful for? Mm. Um, so, you know, right now there's a lot of little things to be grateful for, which is the case, you know, when, when there isn't a pandemic going along, but when there is a pandemic, I mean, you can, it starts becoming obvious how you can be grateful about the big things, right? So for example, sometimes, you know, right before I journal, I'll just take kind of like one deep breath and I'll start thinking, oh my gosh, you know, if I was on a ventilator, right? How much would I pay if I was on a ventilator just to be able to take that one breath cleanly, you know, with no distraction, with no disruption, just enjoy fully, right? The ability to just take one deep breath, right? And I think we, I think right now there's a lot of big things to be very grateful for, right? You can be very grateful for your health. You can be very grateful for your life. You can be very grateful if you have a job, right right now you should be extremely grateful uh you know the economy right now is being split into what some people are calling you know laptop jockeys right so people who can do their their job mostly remotely by pushing zeros and ones across wires and a lot of other people are being made redundant right and and you know i i just think of the people who I think people who are losing their jobs and are basically looking at their bank account tick down every month with no end in sight. I, I mean, I just can't imagine that level of stress. So, you know, as, as, as stressful as it is to be anyone <laughs> during this pandemic, I think even just a little bit of empathy we can exercise right now can show us really how lucky we are. <laughs> And I think, uh, I think, I think that takes us a long way towards kind of setting a, a great tone for the evening or, or for the day, you know, when, whenever you're doing a reflection. Um, so those are the three forms of, of journaling, you know, that, that I do at night. Um, I actually have another journal that I do called a, a, it's sort of like a spontaneous realization journal. So whenever I have like an interesting thought, um, and you know, Unfortunately, interesting thoughts can't be put on a schedule. So, <laughs> um, oh. I, I just, yeah. so I'll just kind of open, <laughs> I'll open my, uh, I have like a little Evernote pad on my, um, on my phone. So I'll open it up and I'll just like write some stuff down. Um, so some, some days I'll actually end up doing four forms of journaling in the same day. Um, but yeah, those, that's kind of the, the gist around my journaling routine. Um, and then, you know, I'll, I'll start prepping for the next day. Right. Um, 
So, uh, you know, I, I might pack my gym bag for the next day, my headphones, my clothes, etc. Uh, and then the final piece of my evening habit stack is to go back to Habitica and take off all my evening habits on Habitica. Um, now, if I'm really stressed that evening, I'll also make a day plan for the next day, right? So um, I just find it helps me sleep better uh, if I can just know that, okay, those stresses are taken care of because there's time scheduled to deal with them the following day. Um, and so then I can just kind of like let it go. Um, so at this point, once I've complete my evening stack, I'm actually, I could step straight into bed, right? My, everything is packed for the next day. Everything is planned for the next day. I could step, uh, you know, my teeth are, are, are brushed, right? I literally could just get into bed and, and go to sleep. But at this point, it's usually about, you know, like eight, right? And so I, I still have some time. And so this is kind of around the time that, you know, like I, I will go and like veg out and watch some TV. Um, I have an alarm that reminds me to finish uh, when, you know, I, I try to go to sleep at about nine. So I have an alarm that reminds me at 830 that it's, I need to finish whatever episode I'm from, um, whatever episode I'm on, sorry, that, that allows me to wake up early the next day. And, and James Clear actually suggests that if your goal is to wake up, uh, James Clear from Atomic Habits again, suggests that if your goal is to wake up early, you should actually start with your evening routine, not with a morning routine. Um, so he says, you know, first the goal is to be ready to get into bed by 8.30. Then the goal is being in bed by, you know, 9. Uh, and, and only then, you know, actually start setting alarms for the morning because then you have enough sleep. Um, that didn't actually work for me. So, for example, I found, I found it easier to wake up early. And then after forcing myself to do that for a few days, I was so tired that I actually wanted to go to bed early the previous day as well. Um, I, so I was kind feel. of like went, went into, I, I kind of reversed into waking early. Um, but that's what works for me. And then I have a few kind of habits around, um, like just preparing for sleep. You know, these are not big things, but things that, that I find help. Um, so for example, uh, you know, no screens, right? So Ariana Huffington from, from the Huffington post, who's now got this app called thrive, which is all about uh, mental well-being. She, anyway, she wrote a, a beautiful post about her sleep routine. She's become a bit of an authority on this space. So she talks about how, um, right before you're going to bed, she kind of gathers all her electronics and shepherds them out the door and, and puts them in a different room. Uh, John Medina, who I mentioned before, this molecular biologist specializing in brain development, um, who wrote Your Best Brain, he also talks about this. So he talks about, uh, you know, have, don't have screens in your room. So we've taken the TV out of our room. Um, my my sister-in-law uh, works at Warby Parker, so she bought me these uh, blue light glasses, blue light blocking glasses that I can use to to uh, if I'm watching TV late at night. Um, yeah. so, so that kind of helps as well. Uh, I turn off my phone, right? So uh, that helps just because notifications don't ping me off of the night. But it, it more importantly, it actually removes the temptation to look at my phone uh, until the next day. So I, I've I don't know if you've had this experience, but before I started doing this, I had some evenings where the last thing I saw at evening, you know, I would get into bed and start flicking through social media. And before I know it, I've spent 40 minutes just like mindlessly scrolling through Facebook in my bed until I'm so exhausted that I have to turn, you know, switch my phone off. Then the phone, you know, like rings with like little pings all night, which prevents your deep sleep. And then the first thing I do the next day in the morning is I reach to my bedside, grab the phone again and start mindlessly scrolling through social media. So you know, I, I just have my phone off and I have it in a different room now. And that prevents both the yeah. temptation to look at it late at night and to look at it early in the morning. 
Um, yeah, and if if that if that doesn't work uh, for some people, I I'm using this um, feature from iOS, which is called Bedtime, which uh, reminds me at the set hour to like prepare to get ready for bed, and it has like a wake up alarm for yeah for the next morning. And once this bedtime starts, it mutes all the notifications, yeah. which um, for me is extremely helpful, even for just yeah, not getting these notifications when you try to slow down and decompress and unwind and um, getting ready to, ready to hit the pillow. Um, you know, that's that's also one way um, to to really make sure you're able to sleep yeah. properly without having a high pulse going on all the time because you think you're missing out on something or, I don't know, thinking about what you just read um, on, on Facebook or wherever. Yeah. And also this blue light, uh, blue light thing. In, so I'm a big uh, tech enthusiast. And when, you know, obviously I'm a little bit in this Apple Apple bubble um, when when they came up with this filtering out blue lights from the screen, I think this was one of the first times that was a public debate about um, that you know like screens have influence on how sleep and how deep and how well and how long you can can sleep. Oh yeah, and and I think not many people really have spent much time thinking about these particular things with the glasses um i actually i'm a little bit skeptical myself about that because i need to wear glasses all day so um i i don't know if that's actually something i probably should do my homework and, mm. and, and read into this but I, I i doubt that this is maybe filtering out all blue lights uh from what you see is probably not the best way mm -hmm. What is how how is it actually wearing one of these filter filter yeah. well, uh, I mean, glasses so I, for I, you? I don't wear them during the day, so I I, I don't actually need glasses uh, to to see my screen. So I really only wear them kind of in the last you know, hour, <laughs> half an hour or so before I go to sleep. So if you know if I'm if I'm uh, working late at night for some reason, I might use them. Um, or more rarely, you know, if I'm watching TV very late at night, you know, I might turn them on. I might put them on as well. Um, yeah. So that's kind of their own thing. Um, what, what else? So some other tips for sleep, uh, sleep in a dark room, right? So invest in a blackout curtain, uh, which will really block out all the light, uh, sleep in a good temperature, right? So, so sleep cold generally is better and sleep away from, from ambient noises. Uh, those are all good uh, for sleep quality. Um, get a good mattress, right? Kind of a, a bit of a no brainer, right? So this is one area where you're, yeah. And a third of your life on a mattress. So it makes sense to, to get a really good one. Um, my smart bed that, that I mentioned before has got, uh, you know, so it, it does something kind of special. So it will warm up the bed as you're getting ready for sleep, right? So by the time you hit the bed, it's kind of warm. But then once you're asleep, because it has these little motion sensors in the bed, once you're asleep, it will actually turn the bed cold. Right. And then you can actually sleep a little and you don't really notice it in your sleep. And then it will warm the bed up again as you're waking up. So your experience is that, you know, you go to sleep and you wake up in a warm bed, but you uh, you actually sleep a bit deeper because it, it gets the bed going a little colder uh, in the middle of the night, which is kind of interesting. Uh, and then it has this like sleep coach app, right, that will tell you, oh, you know, like here's here's how you slept last night and, and here are some things you can do to improve it. 
Um, also, a lot of the meditation apps I've mentioned now have sleep tracks, right? So uh, Headspace and, and some of these other apps now have got these little um, stories that you can fall asleep to. So some people find those useful. I, I, again, I don't bring my phone into the room, so I don't. But if, uh, if you really wanted to try those, you could maybe do uh, Bluetooth headphones. So you can just have your phone in another room uh, while you do that. And then, uh, you know, eating well for sleep also helps, right? So eat early, um, eat light, right? Don't have like a huge kind of like pasta meal, like at 9 p.m. Um, and eat high protein if you're weightlifting for, for recovery. I think all those things help. Um, and then, yeah, and having, having all that sleep uh, done early, getting enough sleep and getting high quality sleep is, is what makes it possible for you to wake up the next day at five in the morning and start the cycle all over again. So that's a typical day. It took us a while to get through there. Um, you know, there are a few, do you have to, yeah, do you have time to work (laughs) doing all these things? (laughs) Yeah. yeah. You know, so, so (laughs) it's funny. So yeah, I, I get that question a lot, but, but again, if, if you, if you actually follow the timestamps that, that we used, right. Um, my, my workday starts at nine, nine fifteen, right? So I'm starting my workday at, at a very reasonable time. My, uh, afternoon habit stack is very short, right? It's l- less than half an hour. Um, I'm just like logging some food and, and, and it's, it's, it's not a big deal. That doesn't really interfere much. And then the evening habit stack is after work, right? So my workday usually runs from 9am, 9.15am till 6.37, right? Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm putting in pretty long hours during the day actually, and then still getting home and having time to do these other things. So, uh, yeah, I, I definitely think it's, it's possible to have good habits while you work. Um, yeah. And then there's a few other habits, you know, that, that don't really fit into this template either because they aren't, um, you know, this template is mostly about self-care habits, right? So, uh, there's a few habits like financial health habits that I didn't mention, which aren't really worth going into, or a few other habits that are, you know, non-daily. Um, so also probably not worth going into those. And, you know, this is an ongoing project, right? So I, am deep into habits right now. I'm constantly developing new ones. So I'm building new habits around relationships right now, you know, to, to improve the relationship with my wife and my friends and my family. Um, and so these are, these are just kind of things that I'm, I'm, constantly kind of thinking about and, and how, how do I, how do I improve, uh, the things that I do in my life on a, on a, how do I improve the systems for the things that I do in my life? That's really, really interesting because it sounds, and I have a little document in front of me, it sounds, and it looks very complicated. And what, what I'm wondering, how has your work, how has your productivity been impacted by this more or less strict schedule that you set for yourself. Yeah. So again, just to, to repeat the previous point, um, none of the schedule over, none of the schedule takes away from working hours, right? This is all happening outside of working hours. So I I definitely don't have less time, but I would say that the, the time that I have, right, which is the same amount of time as I had before is being used much more productively, right? Because a lot of these things are things that, that are, that, you know, have been known to be good for your mood, right? So like meditation and exercise and eating well and sleeping enough are all and journaling, right? These are all things that, that are just really good for your general well-being. So to, it, it's not a stretch to say that, Hey, you know, if you're taking care of your well-being in general, that has got a positive effect in, in how it spills over into your working life. And that's definitely what I've found as well. I think I'm much more productive because of these habits. I would like to to dig a little bit 
deeper into meditation since sure. you mentioned it quite often and um, full disclosure i don't really do it i have my skepticism with it but that is um, a little bit connected to the fact that you know once again i haven't you know looked at the scientific part of it which um, in, in our conversation that we had before recording this podcast uh, you told me that you know you've uh, haven't looked from a religious point of view into this but more from a scientific point of view can can you tell us a little bit more about that yeah absolutely so i, I guess I, i should start by saying that i, I am just in general a, a a very scientific and skeptical person much to the annoyance of most of the people in my life right so usually when someone will make an unfounded statement i'm kind of the first person to say you know like can what can you reference that where, where do you get that from what is that based on what's your evidence for that right so um like you i was very slow <laughs> or or um resistant to the idea of of having a meditation practice um for me meditation was associated with you know what people now call bells and smells right so monks and robes and incense and gongs and and all kinds of things like that 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 just seemed to me to be like just deeply um deeply un unevidence based right uh, and yeah. so Uh, yeah, no, I, I completely understand the skepticism. So I, I, my, the cracks in my skepticism started appearing when I started listening to this guy called Sam Harris, um, who I mentioned before. And, and, you know, he has a meditation app called Waking Up and a book called Waking Up, which a lot of people can read about if they're interested in. Um, but he, he's a, just a fascinating guy. So he was a um, Stanford psycho uh, philosophy major. And uh, he at some point dropped out of Stanford and went to uh, basically spend about 10 years to study meditation. So, um, you know, on and off retreats with various lamas and gurus and, and yogis uh, all over all over the East and, and the U.S. too. Um, he then came back to the U.S. and got a, a Ph.D. in neuroscience um, from from UCLA. And so he's kind of a person who's, who's very qualified just to speak about meditation just from his own, you know, personal tenure experience in building the practice full time and from just being a, a, a science PhD. Um, but, but also Sam became very famous at some point as a, as a very famous skeptic, right? So Sam is a very famous um, atheist. He's up there with like Richard Dawkins and, and Dan Dennett and Christopher Hitchens and AC Grayling and, and a lot of the other kind of um, rationalists, right? Who, who, as they call themselves, who, who are up there always debunking myths and debunking religion and pseudoscience and, and just general, all kinds of things like that. And so um, when, when Captain Skeptic Sam Harris said that, hey, wait a second, there's actually a point for meditation At that point, I kind of turned around and said, okay, wait a second. If it's coming from this guy, right, there, there might be something worth listening to. And um, so I, I dug into it and I found out that, you know, meditation, unlike many other, so let's just take a step back. First of all, meditation definitely has its origins in religion, right? So it, it has its origins in, in Buddhism, um, And, uh, and various kinds of Buddhism, right? So Zen Buddhism has one meditation technique and, and Vipassana, which, is a, which comes from uh, Sri Lanka and India, uh, have, has another kind of uh, meditation technique. And 
but but when you actually take this practice right and you take it as a technique right you don't take it as a philosophy you say listen i'm just going to look at this as a recipe i'm not going to extract any metaphysical meaning from it right so when yeah. you speak to a buddhist monk and they say you ask them why do you meditate often kind of like hidden under the motivation to meditate is this idea that you know, they think they're going to reach nirvana, right? They think, they think this for them is some kind of way to um, escape the circle, you know, escape the circle of rebirth and karma and, and, and escape kind of like, you know, being reborn as, as a lower life form or things like that. So, so there is a religious underpinning to, to meditation. If you ask a monk, why do you meditate? But if you just kind of extract the method of meditation and you just look at it as a recipe, right? Step one, <laughs> sit down, observe your breath, pay attention to how you feel, right? And you look at the results of that, right? Then actually this becomes uh, a very different kind of thing. You're, you're not required to believe in any of the metaphysical claims made by Buddhists in order to benefit from the practice itself. And the practice itself has, has been studied scientifically, right? So for example, um, there's this guy called Richie Davidson, who uh, was very close to the Dalai Lama and went to the Dalai Lama and said, you know, can you point me towards um, some great meditators? And the Dalai Lama pointed them out to, to, you know, some various caves in the Himalaya. And he just schlepped all this, you know, brain scanning equipment up into these caves in the middle of nowhere and put these monks inside brain scanners and asked them to meditate and said, okay, let's, let's just look inside their brain and see whether this actually does something, right? Like, is this, is this entirely imagined or is there actually a noticeable effect that should appear in a scientific instrument when you do this. And it turns out that when you do that, there actually are, um, there are signs that you can observe that meditation is doing something, right? So for example, one of the things that they've shown is that in very experienced meditators, one thing that happens is that they have a massive increase in a certain kind of uh, brain wave called a gamma wave. Now a gamma wave is um, an experience that you usually experience when you are synthesizing different senses. Like, so for, if you, for example, imagine biting into a juicy apple, right. And you can kind of imagine the taste, right. And the sweetness and the crunchiness, right. That synthesis of different senses is, uh, is reflected by a gamma wave in your brain, but a gamma wave is also present in your brain when you synthesize ideas, right? So if you have been working on, a you know very difficult problem and suddenly you just connect these different things that have been working on they all kind of connect together and suddenly you see the whole picture and it all makes sense and you have that ah i get it now right that ah i get yeah. it now moment if you could look in your brain in that moment your your brain would would have this big burst of gamma waves inside your brain um and so the uh the the premise right or, or the conclusion rather of, of meditation uh, research has been to show that for most of us right that that gamma is is very fleeting right it's very quick and it's very rare it's not showing up in big quantities often but for very experienced meditators when they put them in a brain scanner and they meditate they actually are almost living right even often when they're not meditating, they're often living with very elevated amounts of gamma waves. So this starts to bring up some really interesting questions, right? Like how different can consciousness be 
from the everyday consciousness sure. that you and I experience, right? Uh, and and the research seems to show that that there are actually different ways of living that are brought about brought about by doing this practice uh, that are first of all very distinct, right, from from what we would call day to day living, and secondly, they seem to show all kinds of benefits, right, as, as measured by, by all kinds of health studies uh, that are now being done on meditation. So Richard Davidson's book, um, Altered Traits and Altered States that I mentioned before is, is a great place to go read about all the science of meditation. Um, these are neuroscientists who are writing to a, uh, to an audience who is deeply skeptical. And, you know, they're, they're making a, a very good, they're making a point of, of writing in a certain way that the skeptics will be able to digest. Um, so that's, that's a great way to, to kind of like get into that world if you're looking for a little bit more, um, science and rigor behind it. And so, uh, you know, when I first started meditating, I actually got myself this little, um, headband called a muse and, uh, you put it around your forehead while you meditate and it actually scans your brain. And, you know, I would go and I would look at, um, you know, the, the meditation studies and I would say, okay, well, this is what the brains of beginning intermediate and advanced meditators seem to look like. Right. And I would scan my, my brain waves and then I would compare the two and I would say, oh, you know, I can actually see over here. It's, it's, I, I, I'm, I'm making progress. Um, and Muse would, Muse is, is kind of interesting. So Muse actually has an app that goes with it. You plug into some headphones while you meditate. And then um, depending on the state of your brain, it will make uh, the sound of rain come through your earbuds. So if your brain is um, kind of all over the place and not very focused, uh, the rain gets louder. And as you get more and more focused, the rain gets more and more softer. So you're able to, I, I found that when I was first starting a very useful tool um, to get some kind of live biofeedback over your progress as a meditator. Uh, because one of the first problems you run into, you know, when you meditate is, am I doing this right? Right. You know, like yeah. if, if you're, tr if you're playing tennis, right. And someone is coaching you to play tennis and you can serve the ball over the net right, and it gets in the right quadrant, you know, you're doing it right. Right. But when you're meditating, you don't know whether you're doing it right. And you don't honestly even know if your teacher is doing it right. So Muse is, um, a very useful kind of tool in, in those first few months when you're first starting. Uh, since then I've, I've kind of stopped using it. Now I kind of do a, a more unguided, um, meditation as well, uh, without the muse. So, uh, that was my kind of foray into it. You know, once I did a, a few months with the muse, I then went into the 10 days of Pasana retreat, um, using the, the Goenka method. Um, and then that was in 29 palms by uh, Joshua tree. Uh, now I use a different method again. So now I use Sam Harris's waking up app. He has a whole curriculum over there, which is releasing daily audio for that you can follow along with. Um, so now I'm doing a combination of classical Vipassana, which is mindfulness meditation, um, with hints of something called glimpse meditation, which is a, uh, a Tibetan tradition called, uh, Dzogchen. Um, and I've, I've dabbed in a few other schools as well. So I went up to uh, Deer Park Monastery in San Diego, which was kind of founded by a famous Zen Buddhist monk, um, called, uh, Thich Nhat Hanh. I probably butchered that name completely. He's sometimes called the other Dalai Lama. Um, Martin Luther King nominated him for a peace prize. So yeah, you know, I've, I've dabbled in a few different forms of meditation and I have personally found it a, a tremendously valuable practice for my life. It's very, very 
fascinating you know how just making a few things conscious to yourself can can change your whole i don't know perspective probably is that word on on on, on life and on on your habits and what you're doing i think that's the whole takeaway for me from this this uh, conversation in general is that we do so many things not recognizing and these things take time like wasting your time on social media um which I don't mean talking to to friends and everything. It's just that, you know, scrolling and scrolling and uh, looking for for memes or whatever. Um, and yeah, the meditation aspect is definitely something that you know I probably will read read into it because. I don't know. Sometimes I uh, go to bed really stressed. Uh, my my job involves a lot of travel, and um, you know sometimes getting up at four in the morning and um, after like a thousand kilometers or six hundred miles of driving mm. and a business meeting in between of that, you know, leaves leaves a lot of adrenaline, stress, or whatever yeah. uh, in, in in your system. And uh, I'm definitely gonna gonna make an experiment of if that works for me because again i have not really the perception that it works just from you know my own perspective but i i'm definitely willing to take the challenge and see how how that goes yeah is, yeah. is there how, how did you start like what was your three things that that you did building habits or in other words what would you recommend to someone that says, hey, that's cool, but what you're doing is next level. How do I get started with habits and um, meditation, for example? Yeah. Um, so on habits in general, as I say to people, I, I typically suggest that people start by waking up early. Um, and, you know, if you're, if you're strict about doing that for a few days, eventually you'll, you'll, automatically also start going to sleep earlier, right? Just to kind of um, compensate for, for the sleep that you've been losing. Uh, that will carve out a block of time in the first thing in the morning during which no one is awake, uh, during which there's very little noise. So ideal time to, to meditate. Um, and then for, for meditating, it's, it, for actually learning how to meditate, uh, download an app. There's you know a few great ones. So 10% happier, um, waking up, uh, headspace, those are all great tools. Um, they'll all teach you how to meditate and you can, uh, then just get started on your own. Um, I will say that with meditation specifically, it's one of these practices that takes a while to, sh to, to really bear fruit. And it's possible to meditate for 10 days, 20 days, 30 days in a row and just not get it. Right. It's possible to kind of be like, okay, you know, like I've tried this. I, I, I don't, yeah. I don't see it. And that's why in the past, what I used to suggest to people is actually dive right into the deep end. So, you know, like maybe try it like 10 times on your own, but the next thing you should do after that is go straight on a, on a 10 day retreat. Um, and because I'm, I, no one walks off a 10 day retreat without getting it. Like at the end of 10 days, you, you will definitely get it. Um, And I, I think that that's, that's the better way to do it. Um, but now that's not really possible. So maybe, maybe for now, you know, try it on your own and then do the 10 day retreat post Corona. Um, 
yeah, that, that would probably be a, a good way of getting started with meditation. Uh, and, and, you know, meditation is great for, um, what you mentioned before, right? Just like diffusing stress at the end of the day, but meditation at its deepest level, um, is not just about de-stressing. It's actually about learning how your mind works and where suffering comes from in your mind, because by, because by sitting and observing your mind, right you you start to intuitively understand the machinery of kind of like what where where thoughts and suffering and pleasure come from in your mind and with enough time you realize that suffering is basically the result of um attachment right so suffering is the result of under of thinking this is, you know, I, I want something to be different, right? I'm, I'm sitting and, you know, maybe I have, it could be something simple. I'm sitting and I have an, uh, an itchy nose, right? Itchy noses are the, the enemy of all novice meditators. Um, and so you're, you're sitting over there and you have, you have an itchy nose and you, you want to scratch it, right? And there's a huge amount of suffering that can have from this feeling of, I want this thing to be different, right? I, I, I'm, yeah. I'm worried that this itch will never go away, that it will intensify. And at some point, you know, you learn to just actually welcome that. You learn to just observe it. You're like, hmm, for once in your life, let's actually sit there and observe what does it feel like really? What does it really feel like to feel itchy, right? And when you really become fascinated with the physiology of an itch, you actually start kind of breaking it down into its individual components and you realize, oh, wait a second, actually itchiness is kind of this like tingling, right? And tingling is actually not terrible on its own, right? It's actually not a problem if I just welcome it and observe it and see it clearly. And, you know, it starts with things like itchiness, but, but as you become better at meditation, you can play that same trick with anger. And you can play that same trick with, um, you know, jealousy and you can play that same trick with all kinds of other emotions, you know, emotions of insecurity right, that come into your life. Um, and so it really becomes this universal antidote towards uh, negative emotions. And that's an incredibly powerful thing um, that, that, you know, when a lot of people talk about meditation, the stress reduction, I'm, I, I kind of. I'm almost disappointed because it's like, yes, I mean, it is stress reduction, but like, wow, that's actually missing the much bigger picture (laughs) that it actually has that. And then so much more to offer on top of that. Um, so yeah, I, I, I I recommend it to people. Uh, and I I recommend that people do a deep dive and, and give it a, give it a long experiment as opposed to, you know, just try it a few times. Um, it's uh, it's 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 been one of the one of the most anchoring things that I have learned in my life. This definitely was um, an episode that I will have to re-listen myself to keep track with all of the advices and resources you mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> we will try to to put everything into the show notes and uh, make sure we have. Um, everything or as much as possible linked to and uh, Stefan thank you so much for letting us look into you know your way into not only improving yourself but also ultimately uh, improving the world around you with these methods and 
habits that you've been developing uh, over quite some time now. What last curious question for the day? Mm. What did you learn about yourself during this pandemic, during being in your home retreat, so to speak, now for quite a while? Is there anything that you realized about yourself? Mm. Well, you know, I think I guess one of the things I realized is that you actually don't need that much to be happy, right? You are at home with, um, you know, I, I get to spend my days with someone who I love and I get to spend it with my dog um, and I have a job, right? And I have food coming into the house and I have my health. And right now that's enough. And I think that is a, a powerful reminder to just kind of take a step back and, and to get out of the cycle of what more do I want? What else do I want? What do I not yeah. have? What, what, what can I have that's more, more, more? And just to kind of take a pause and just say, actually, all the important things I have right here, I have enough. That's beautiful. That's uh, definitely also something that I, I realized as well is... Um, you know, as much as we enjoy going out and everything, once you're surrounded by people or a person that inspires you and makes you truly happy, that's all I need. <laughs> and um, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for, uh, again, for uh, having this episode Such with me and uh, spending now a whopping almost uh, one and a half hours talking about oh, this. Oh, flew by. Yeah, I could I could go on, but uh, we're gonna take it easy, uh, <laughs> easy on the audience. If anyone has questions or uh, would like to know more about this topic, there's actually an email address Simon at stainathome dot com, um, or just write me over the Stain at Home website, and we will we will um, I will get back to you. Um, feel free to to send me your experiences or your takes on on what we spoke about this episode because i think there are so many ways to to uh, improving um improving our lives and there you can spend a whole spend a whole day talking about it but there's not not enough said that's why probably there are so many books and so much content uh about this topic and um yeah I would say that's a wrap. Stefan, have a wonderful time and I'd be uh, very curious to see how your journey goes and uh, hopefully there's a blog or something soon that we can read about uh, your journey with this. Yeah, I, I keep hearing that. I, I really do need to start <laughs> writing some of this. Yeah. <laughs> And um, yeah, I wish you and your wife and your uh, dog uh, a wonderful weekend. And I hope to have you soon again on the show. I think there's a bunch of topics that we didn't go into for time's sake, but also are, are very interesting. Um, for example, the whole financial habits, which is probably a whole episode by itself. So whenever you are available and would like to join again, uh, you're always invited. Sounds like fun. And I see you guys in the next episode next week. Thank you for listening and don't forget to subscribe.